I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verse 12 today. You can find that on pages on page 811 in the red Bibles and the chairs around you. Matthew chapter 6. We're actually going to be focused just on the first half of that verse. But let me read uh, all of the Lord's Prayer up until that point, uh, just for some context and as a reminder to us. Beginning in verse 9 of chapter 6, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray again for the Holy Spirit to be present in this very moment. As we look to your word, we pray you would open it and open our eyes that we might see what you want us to see from it. Wonderful things from your word. We pray, Father, you would teach us what we need to learn. And we pray, Father, that at the end of the day, we would see our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we would celebrate the gospel of his grace and mercy to us. For we ask this in his name. Amen. It's one of my most favorite stories. Uh, You've heard it in the past. I can almost promise you you're going to hear it again in the future. But today, let's let Pastor John Ortberg tell the story in his own words about the mauve couch and the red jelly stain. Some years ago, we traded in my old VW Beetle for our first piece of new furniture, a mauve sofa. The man at the furniture furniture store warned us not to get it when he found out we had small children. You don't want a mauve sofa, he said. Get something that is the color of dirt. But we had the naive optimism of young parenthood. We know how to handle our children, sir. Give us the mob sofa. From that moment on, we all knew clearly the number one rule of the house. Don't sit on the mob sofa. Don't touch the mob sofa. Don't play around the mob sofa. Don't eat on, breathe on, look at, or think about the mob sofa. Remember the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden? On every other chair in the house, you may freely sit. But upon this sofa, the mauve sofa, you may not sit. For the day on which you sit thereupon, you shall surely die. (laughs) Then came the great fall. One day there appeared on the mauve sofa a stain, a red stain, a red jelly stain. So my wife, who adored the sofa, lined up our three children in front of it. Laura, age eight, Mallory, age two and a half, and Johnny, age six months. (laughs) Do you see that, children, she asked. That is a stain, a red stain, a red jelly stain. The man at the sofa store says it's not coming out, not forever. Do you know how long forever is, children? That's how long we're going to stand here until one of you tells us who put the stain on the mauve sofa. Mallory was the first to break. With trembling trembling lips and tear-filled eyes, she said, Laura did it. (laughs) Laura passionately denied it, and then there was silence for the longest time. 
No one said a word. I knew the children wouldn't say a word, for they had never seen their mother so upset. I knew they wouldn't say a word because they knew that if they did, they would spend eternity in the timeout chair. I knew they wouldn't say a word because I was the one who put the red jelly stain on the mauve sofa. And I knew I wasn't going to say anything. I figured I would find a safe place to confess and ask for forgiveness, such as in a future book that I was going to write. (laughs) Admitting that we're wrong. Confessing our sin. Asking for forgiveness. It, It is hard work. And it is hard work, at least in part, Because of our pride, because of our fear, because of our shame, because of our guilt, because of our embarrassment. We don't like to be wrong, and we certainly don't want to admit when we are. Jesus gave us this prayer. He gave us a model for how we are to pray, how to help us. To, how to, how to know how to pray, to give us some structure to our prayers. And as we've seen over the previous weeks, he helps us to understand that when we pray, we are to address God as our Father in heaven to praise him and to pray for his kingdom to come and to expand, to pray for his will to be done here on earth. And we pray for him to provide for our needs, both physical and spiritual. And now we come to this fifth petition and we see that he also teaches us that when we pray, we are to pray and ask him to forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Both vertical forgiveness and horizontal forgiveness. This week we're going to look at the vertical aspect of it. Just the first part of this petition. Forgive us of our debts. And next week we'll come back and we will look at that horizontal aspect. So as we try to understand what it means we are to we are supposed to go to our father in heaven and ask him to forgive us of our debts, let's answer four questions. First of all, why we need to ask for forgiveness. Secondly, when we need to ask for forgiveness. Thirdly, what happens when we don't do it? And then lastly, what happens when we do? So first of all, why do we need to ask for forgiveness? We can't take that question for granted. And the answer really is in the single word that Jesus used here, debt. Forgive us of our debts, he said. When we sin, we are made debtors. We have a debt with God. Now, how is that the case? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly that God is our creator. He has created us in his image. Our very lives belong to him. We exist. We have lives by his decree and by his good pleasure. And he has created us with a purpose that we are to glorify and enjoy him, that we are to love and honor and enjoy and obey him in every aspect of our lives. He created us, and then he put our first parents in the Garden of Eden. And he entered into a relationship with them, a covenant with them, and through them to all of humanity. That covenant that was made demanded perfect and personal obedience to him. We are his creation. 
And we are called to faithfully obey Him and love Him as our Creator. Now, if you're from a church background, you know the story. Mankind broke that covenant relationship with their Creator. That happened for the first time in the garden with Adam and Eve as they disobeyed God's command. And since they were representing us, we got the guilt as well. But it's not just be, we're not just guilty because of what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. We also break our covenant relationship with the Lord God Almighty on our own every day, every single time that we sin. When we fail to do what the Lord says that we are to do, and when we do the things that He tells us that we are not supposed to do, we sin by commission, committing sins and transgressions that we go against God's Word, and we sin by omission, by not doing the things that we're supposed to do. And because we have broken the covenant relationship and not lived as our Creator has created us to live, we have incurred a debt with God. We are His creation. And because we are in a covenant relationship with Him, we owe Him our love and our allegiance and our obedience. And we haven't fulfilled our end of that deal. And so we're in debt. And because the debt that we are in is with God, who is perfect and infinite in His holiness and justice and righteousness, our debt is severe. We haven't just offended against another human being or against the creation. We are not just in debt with a bank or a financial institution or a friend or a family member. We have offended against the perfect and holy law of the Lord God Almighty. We are in debt to the creator of the universe. And so our debt is large. So large that we can never pay it back ourselves. There are only two ways that a debt like that could be paid back. One appear before the judgment throne of God at the end of our lives and be sentenced to eternal judgment that we have to pay with our lives. Or secondly, someone else who has never sinned and who has no debt would live a perfect life of love and obedience to God and then offer to pay our debt for us. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that is exactly what we are praying for when we come to this petition. Our Father... Because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the, the Word made flesh, because of His life of perfect love to, to the Father, of His obedience in entirety to the law of God, because of His voluntary sacrificial death on the cross, because He willingly gave His life as an atonement for my sin, because His death is a payment for my, death, my debt in full, because of the gospel of grace, and on that basis and on that basis alone, Please forgive me of all my sins, of all my debts. This is why the gospel is called good news. It really is good news for sinners whose debt is so large that we could never pay it. But God says that we have to ask for it. We don't get our debt paid with God because of the family that we grow up in. We don't get our debt paid because we go to church. We don't get our debt paid because we try to be a better, uh, have a life of more goodness than, than evil and bad. We don't get our debt paid because we're productive and successful citizens in this life. The only way that we can have our debts forgiven is we have to pray to the Lord and ask Him to forgive us. That's why we need to ask. We can also see something here in this verse 
about when we need to ask for forgiveness. You can see it a couple different ways. First, Jesus in in verse 9 of chapter 6, as he's teaching the disciples to pray, he says, pray then like this. That's a present imperative. It's a present tense command. This is not the sense of Jesus saying, pray once and be done with it. This is an ongoing sense of a command, not just once, all the time. And also notice, even in the word that he used, Jesus said that we are to pray and ask the Father to forgive us of our debts. Plural, not just singular, not just one debt, but all of our debts. Every single time we sin, we are called to ask for forgiveness, for the Lord to forgive our debts and our sins every time we sin against him. Now, some of someone might ask themselves uh, in your head, if not out loud, aren't I already forgiven? If I'm in Christ, isn't it the case that at the very moment that I first believed and I had my heart changed by the Holy Spirit, I was forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future? Isn't that the case? And the answer is both yes and no. Yes, it is true. There is one payment made for all debt and all sin of God's people. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that happened in time. It is finished. It is completed. It is perfect. And His atoning work on the cross was a one-time event. And it accomplished its purpose of payment in full of all debts of all God's people throughout all history. But it is applied to us individually when the Holy Spirit changes our hearts and gives us faith and enables us to believe. So we need to be clear. If you are a Christian, then through Christ, your debts have been paid in full, completely. There is nothing left for you to pay. You cannot and you will not experience the eternal wrath and judgment of God because Christ has already done that for you. But as a Christian, we still can experience God's fatherly displeasure or His fatherly discipline. Remember what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4 says, For the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Our own Westminster Confession of Faith uh, on chapter 11 on the idea of being justified by faith through Jesus Christ alone says this, God does continue to forgive the sins of those who are justified And although they can never fall from the state of justification, yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's why we need to to ask for forgiveness, not just initially, but every time we sin. Now, to help us to unpack that a little bit more, to understand why we need to to ask God's forgiveness continually, let's consider what the Bible says about what happens when we don't do that. Remember back to our passage earlier in the service in 1 John. John says that if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie. Do not practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar 
and His Word is not in us. Remember, John was writing to Christians. By saying that we don't sin, but by failing to go to our Father and ask Him to forgive us of our debts, John says we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, that we're calling God a liar and that His Word is not in us. We see that unpacked even more by David as he wrote Psalms 32 and 51. These are psalms that David wrote after his sins with Bathsheba and against Uriah. And most importantly, against the Lord. Again, as a believer, as, as a God-fearing man. Listen to what David said. When I kept silent, when I didn't go to my God and my Father in heaven and ask Him to forgive me for my sins, when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You hear what David is saying when he did not go and confess and ask the Lord to forgive him. It was as if his bones were wasting away through his groaning. He felt the heaviness of the hand of the Lord upon him. And his strength was as if it dried up and was gone. He says something similar in Psalm 51. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. When David did not go to his father and confess and ask the Lord to forgive him, he said it was as if his bones were broken, as if the Lord's face had been turned away from him, cast away from the presence of the Lord and a lack of a joy of salvation. The Bible is clear, brothers and sisters in Christ, when Christians fail to confess their sins, when they fail to repent, when they fail to ask the Lord to forgive them of their ongoing sins, they do not lose their salvation. They don't get God's eternal judgment and the punishment of hell, but they can and they do experience his fatherly displeasure, his fatherly discipline, unconfessed unrepentant sin can make us feel empty and hollow and discontent and unsettled and distressed. Unrepentant sin can make us feel the heavy, unrelenting hand of the Lord upon us. Unconfessed sin can make us feel as if we are without strength, that physically and emotionally and spiritually we are weak. It is an unhappy and dangerous picture of the weight of our guilt and the Lord's hand upon us, the weakness that we would have in our spiritual lives, the face of the Lord turned away from us for a season, the withdrawal of the blessing of the Lord upon us, a disconnect and a disjointedness in our relationship with our Father in heaven. And the reason why He gives us that Fatherly displeasure and discipline is important. Our Father in heaven loves us as his adopted children so much that he would not let us continue in what is harmful to us. He won't let us continue in our sin and debt forever. And so he disciplines us to bring us back to him. That's why we would pray this petition. Our Father in heaven, forgive us of our debts. Now I need you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say next. 
Not every season of feeling distant from the Lord or disconnected from the Lord or of being physically, emotionally and spiritually weak or dealing with darkness and depression or feeling like the Lord's face has turned away from you. Not every season of those feelings is because of unconfessed sin. There are other reasons why we might experience those feelings for a time or for a season. And some of those reasons have nothing to do with sin. To experience those things does not necessarily mean that we have unconfessed sin in our lives, but it might. And so we should be thoughtful and honest with ourselves as we seek to discern what is going on. And if it's sin that we need to confess, that we would do so. Now, before we move on to our last point, we need to be clear about something else as well. What we've been talking about up until now is what happens when Christians, those who are in relationship with Christ, fail to ask for forgiveness of their Father in heaven. It is something altogether different when those who are not Christians, those who are not in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, fail to ask forgiveness of the Lord God Almighty. The Bible's clear about that as well. Apart from a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from being united by faith to Christ, you experience not his fatherly displeasure and discipline, but the eternal judgment and punishment from the hand of the Lord God Almighty, your creator. What we're reading here in Matthew chapter six is the prayer of a Christian. Our father, forgive us of our debts. But for any who have never put their faith and their hope in the Lord, who have never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, submitted to Him by faith, then let today be that day. Pray as David prayed in Psalm 32. I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Let today be the day when you pray to the Lord when he may be found. Put your faith in Christ. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, for the payment in full of all your debts, and be admitted into the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. For apart from Christ, there is no hope of eternal life. Let's finish by considering what happens when we do go to our Father and confess our sins. What does the Bible say? about all those who ask the Lord to forgive them. Well, again, let's go back earlier in our service to 1 John chapter 1. What did John tell us? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you go in faith to your father and ask him to forgive you of your sins, he does so. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of your sin, covers your debt. His blood pays for it in full. But John said this interesting little phrase, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Have you ever thought about what that means? What does it mean that when we go to the Father and we ask Him to forgive us, that He is faithful and He is just to forgive us? How is He faithful in forgiving us of our sins? 
Well, it's simply this. Throughout the scriptures, even what we've talked about today, he has said to his people throughout redemptive history that if you confess your sins, I will forgive you. And so when we go to our father and we ask him to forgive us and he does forgive us, he is being faithful to his promises that he's made. But he also says, John says that God is just in forgiving us our sins when we ask him to forgive us. How is God just? How is there justice being done in that moment when we ask God to forgive us and he does so? Well, it would be like this. If you go to the bank that you owed some debt to and you go to the, to the counter and you say, how much do I owe you? And they give you the number and you put that much money on the counter and you give it to the bank. And they say your debt is paid in full. And then you walk out and you get home and there's a phone call saying that you've got more debt at the same bank. That would be unjust. There would be injustice happening at that moment because your debt had been paid in full. And the same is true in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has fully and completely paid your debt through the gospel and his work on the cross. And so it is just for God to forgive you when you ask because it has been completed. It would be unjust. There would be injustice if God didn't forgive you of your sins when you asked him to do so. We also see what happens when we ask God to forgive us from David's words in Psalm 32 again. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When we go and we confess our sins and ask the father to forgive us, we get the blessing of God upon us. We have our sins covered David says we have no iniquity that is counted against us. He goes on in Psalm 32. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. When you go to your father and you confess your sins and ask him to forgive you, the steadfast love of the Lord surrounds you. His faithful, loving kindness surrounds you. And he will give you the experience of a spiritual joy and gladness that far transcends any circumstance in life that you may ever feel. David goes on in Psalm 51 to give us a little bit more about what happens when Christians go to their father and they ask him to forgive them. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be white as snow. We are cleansed. Our crimson stains of sin are washed white. David goes on. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Again, we get the experience of a spiritual joy and gladness and rejoicing that is far deeper than the pain and the sadness that we experience in this life. David also says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness and my mouth will declare your praise. As David understands the, the vertical forgiveness that he has with his father in heaven, it begins to change how he deals with people horizontally. He says, as I ask God to forgive me and I experience his full and complete forgiveness 
then I'll start being willing to tell others about that forgiveness of sins through the gospel. I'll I'll tell people about God's loving kindness, about his steadfast love, about his abundant grace, and I will declare God's truth and grace to others. In other words, David's vertical forgiveness with the Lord caused him to think differently about his horizontal relationships. That kind of leads us into the second half of this petition that we're going to cover next week as we forgive our debtors. So that's probably a good place for us to stop today. Let me finish with a story that you may have heard before. It's a story about a man named Simon Weisenthal. Simon Weisenthal was a Jewish-Austrian man, a survivor of the Holocaust. He died in 2005, wrote a number of books, and in those books told stories about what he experienced during the Holocaust. One of those stories was this, 1944. Simon Weisenthal was a prisoner of the Nazis. He was working in a prison detail in a hospital that had been set up specifically to attend to German soldiers who were injured. And one day he says a nurse came to him and she asked him, are you Jewish? And he said, yes. And she said, come with me. And so she took him by the arm. She led him through the hospital into an isolated area, into a dark room where he saw there was just one wounded soldier who was heavily bandaged, obviously close to death. As Simon was looking at this soldier, he noticed that the nurse left them together. And then he noticed that the soldier was an SS officer. The officer had summoned for a Jewish man to be brought to his bed so that he could make a deathbed confession. The soldier begged Simon Wiesenthal to listen to his experience that he had gone through in the Ukraine. One specific day, they had moved into a small town, this officer with his soldiers, and they walked into a trap, and 30 of his men were killed. And as an act of revenge, this officer ordered for 300 Jewish men, women, and children to be gathered together into a three-story house that was lit on fire, and they watched as it burned to the ground. The soldier, knowing that he was dying, wanted to seek forgiveness from someone who had some connection to the people that he had harmed. Weisenthal said that numerous times he tried to leave, but each time the soldier grabbed his arm to keep him there. Weisenthal had lost many of his relatives in the Holocaust, and he said, how could I, with a simple pronouncement of forgiveness, absolve anyone of such a heinous crime? The soldier said this to him. I am left here with my guilt. In the last hours of my life, you are with me. I do not know you. I only know that you are Jewish, and that is enough. I know what I've told you is terrible, but my soul forces me to beg forgiveness. I know what I'm asking of you is almost too much, but without your answer, I cannot die in peace. What would you have done? What did Simon Weisenthal do? Well, you'll have to come back next week to hear the end of that story. (laughs) But as we today come to this first part of the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, as we come and we pray this prayer, our Father in heaven... Forgive us of our debts. We are acknowledging that we are no better 
than that Nazi soldier begging for forgiveness on his deathbed. And in some ways, we are far worse. What the soldier did was horrible and unthinkable. But it pales in comparison to the debt that we have with Almighty God when we sin. When we sin, we are making crimes against the Almighty. We are in debt not to another person or even to an entire race, but to the Creator of the universe. And as we start to see the extent of our sin against the Lord for what it truly is and what it truly does, then we are ready and able to see more and more the depth and the extent of His love for us in Christ. God's forgiveness to us didn't cost Him just a simple absolution. It cost Him the very death of His Son. And brothers and sisters in Christ, when that grips our hearts and our minds, when we see that love, that mercy, that grace, it should melt our hearts and change us and cause us to want to go to Him seeking forgiveness. Let's pray together. Our Father in Heaven, we do come to You and ask You to forgive us of our many debts, our many sins. And we come humbly as we recognize the depth and the extent of our sin. In fact, our Father, we would pray a dangerous prayer and we would ask You that in this week to come that You would open our eyes that we might see the extent of our sin, the extent of our ongoing sin, that You would show it to us and bring us to conviction of it so that we might come to You and ask for forgiveness. And Father, when we see our sin, help us not to wallow in it, but help us to quickly remember Your promise that as we come to You and ask forgiveness, You give it to us readily. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.